0: I mean, it's not like he's saving the world or anything. I mean he's a sales rep for Christ's sake. I, whenever I can't sleep, I just ask him to tell me about his day. Six seconds and I'm out. Welcome to the Rewind Movie Podcast. So far, this is not blowing my skirt up, gentlemen. Don't you have anything remotely substantial? Do you have any hard data? Nothing that you would call rock hard. Actually, it's pretty limp, sir. And perhaps you better get some. Or somebody parks an automobile in front of the White House with a nuclear weapon in the trunk.
1: The Fallen Review will contain spoilers and may contain strong language.
0: We say our uh, covert operation in this one got a little rough. Worse than Cairo? Cairo. Cairo is a day at the beach next to this.
1: Today is part of our throwback series. We'll be discussing True Lies, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: Helen. Helen? Helen is having enough fear.
1: Jamie Lee Curtis.
0: So much I wanted to do with this life, and it's like I haven't done any of it. And the sand running out of the hourglass, and I just wanted to be able to look back and say, See? I did that. I was reckless and i was wild and i fucking did
1: it tom arnold you know what i say we concentrate on work buddy that's what i do every time my life turns to dog shit i concentrate on work and that gets me by right buddy it's gonna be great you know what we're gonna catch some terrorists we're gonna beat the crap out of them you're gonna
0: feel a hell of a lot better bill paxton think of it as playing a role with fantasy i mean you gotta work on their dreams get them out of their daily suburban grind for a few hours what about their husbands? Dickless! I mean, let's face it, if they took care of business, I'd be out of business, you know what I mean? <laughs> Those idiots. And all If These demands are not met. Crimson Jihad
1: will rain fire
0: one major American city each week. Directed
1: by James Cameron.
0: Have you ever
2: killed anyone?
0: Yeah, but they were all bad. What can I say? I'm a spy.
1: Hello and welcome to the Rewire Movie Podcast. One born every minute. It's Gally in Hampshire. That's a nice piece. It's Devon in London. What are we talking about here?
3: Percy, right? It's Patrick in London. (laughs) Sorry. So far,
4: this isn't blowing my skirt up, gentlemen. Don't you have
1: any hard data? It's Duncan in Cambridgeshire. Welcome back, gang, and welcome back, listeners. And, listeners, you may have noticed a different voice in the room so today we have a very very special guest listeners joining us who has selected the movie that we are discussing true Lives. oh it's your pick yes it was it was indeed duncan's pick patrick so it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show mr duncan casey
0: Hello. Hello. Oh, what, well, welcome. What an
1: introduction. Thank you very much. Hello. Yes, it's lovely to be here. Thank you. I'm a big fan of your your podcast, Duncan. Please, uh, tell tell us and our listeners a little bit about yourself. Um, what where to start?
4: I mean, I so professionally, I'm a an hacktor. Um. I've been an, I've been a professional actor now for nine, nigh- well, over 12 and a half years, which is, is crazy, but I'm also a producer. Uh, I'm producing a bunch of documentaries at the moment and a feature in a horror anthology series. I am a writer. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, and I am a husband, father and uh botanist i'm not that but that sounds like something (laughs) you should say at the end of such a sentence but no i and um i i was originally i'm from the bahamas originally which is weird Um, and moved to grew up around sort of uh, east anglia in the uk and um uh that's Uh, partridge country
2: Part of yes, North North area.
4: Um, No, uh, yes, no. But I, but I, well, I went to, I did go to university in Norwich. So there you go. That's uh, a little bit about me.
1: And I suppose the next question is, why True Lies? Well, uh,
4: putting aside your back catalogue, of course, because there were things I could not opt for in your oeuvre, such as it is so far. I, I thought True Lies is sort of one of those. It seems odd to call it. Like underrated or forgotten or any of these things, because because it, it's famously this and the abyss are the only ones who haven't had the Blu-ray treatment, which now is like saying they haven't had the Betamax treatment. It's like, well, who cares? Let's get on with four K restorations. But um, it it sort of it feels forgotten in the in a way that like you know I don't know um Diet Coke is forgotten you know it's like well it's not really is it but um <laughs> but um yeah I kind of just wanted to get talk I just wanted to talk about it and it's a film that I have a lot of love for it falls very neatly into that category of curry and beer with your dad. That that my dad and I were right in the sweet spot in the sort of early 90s to discover all the Schwarzenegger back catalogue and then the current catalogue and this was very much the apex of that Schwarzenegger thing um so we we had a lot of love for that and it so I have a lot of love for nostalgia for it and I just thought you know I know it very well having watched it kind of from my from when I was ten up until now, so I kind of feel like I don't know, it would be fun to talk about, that was my thing.
1: Nice. What about you, Patrick? History with true lies? I can't quite I was trying to remember uh exactly
3: when I first saw it. I may I don't know whether I was ten, quite that young. Don't get I was trying to think, is that too young for this film? But anyway. Um I definitely watched it with mum and dad. I remember it being an Arnie film and I remember the trailer and I remember all of that. And I think I remember wanting to watch it and I believe it was something I watched with fucking adverts on the TV that interrupted it at all, all moments because I think this is one of those examples where I don't remember, you know, like um, Bill Paxton getting uh, his neck broken in the car and there was something with the, 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 um, the, the truth Doctor, I'll call him near the end. there's bits that I don't remember in the edit that I first watched this film in that was all edited to shit, and until I was a lot older, um thinking, oh well that' is a he just broke his neck or he just did this um i I remember having a lot of fun with this film when I was younger though, and quoting it at school and shouting some things to my friends and um but, uh, you learned, like, dad's a nice piece is now my favorite quote <laughs> in <laughs> your, your opening. And it certainly wasn't my favorite quote when I first saw it, but it was just, um, quite a good action film that it was a definitely a family thing to watch with mum, dad, and I doubt my brother watched it at the time, but it was Arnie, you know, Arnie was the draw. The traders were there. I remember watching it. I, I, the, the sequence always stuck with me. For whatever reason, I just remembered it most was the uh, machine gun falling down the stairs.
1: That was the nine millimeter. You know your guns, pal. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Devlin, when did you watch it? So I mean, this was like you were saying that it, it's kind of forgotten, which is a bit odd because of how massive it was at the time. It was just an enormous hit. Like I remember the adverts were kind of ubiquitous. I remember me and my brother just used to randomly just say the phrase lies to each other. <laughs> Before we'd ever seen the film, um, I, we didn't go to the cinema for it because I was also ten when it came out. And um, but this would have been one that uh, me, my brother, and my dad would have rented from the um, uh, the paper shop, the the paper shop opposite the paper shop that stayed open until nine before it blew away. Because uh, the other one. Yep. No, the other one was only really <laughs> open until six. Uh down down the hill on the way to the station pub, and they used to have upwards of fifteen videotapes at a time. Oh. <laughs> mm, uh, the perennial was Major League 2, which we rented multiple times. One of these days we'll get to that. <laughs> but um True Lies was definitely one of those rentals, and I think it was a multiple rental, and then it probably hit the rotation on Sky and probably never left. Um so yeah, I remember watching it quite a lot as a kid, and then it just kind of disappeared out of my life for a long stretch until yesterday when I watched it Um, and later on I'm sure we'll talk about the availability of the film but uh, I can reveal that I had to watch this uh, off my super secret work system (laughs) Uh, I'm currently working for insert name of media conglomerate here and that's where it's stashed in the vault so I had to dip into uh, into the mouse house vault to watch this one on a little pop-out window with a big fucking watermark across it. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, we'll have to ask Matt offline, but I couldn't
1: find this for shit in the UK unless you yeah, buy the DVD. No, you're right, Patrick. I had to go out and purchase, indeed.
2: So, yeah, a, a huge film. A huge film from, from when we were kids. And, and wholesale chunks of it were stuck in my memory. But what's, I think, quite telling is that a lot of the connective tissue was lost. I remembered set pieces but i could not tell you where they sat in the runtime so it's quite interesting to go back and watch the whole thing you know properly from start to finish like how films work
1: well i'll just very very quick quickly give my uh my brief history with it uh duncan similar to you um for those listeners that have followed us all the way through um they'll know that my father is greek and his english is well it's a little bit mangled so uh true lies arnie Arnie, even, instead of True Lies, was kind of easy watching for me and him to connect with. And also, we were very fortunate enough to have Sky. So I remember the trailer, well, not the trailer, but I remember the adverts for Sky movies as it was then. And the I vividly remember Arnie sliding in a toilet trying to get a gun. And even as a child, I was thinking, might be a bit of piss in that. But we don't, <coughs> we don't worry about that. Don't worry about the water. He's trying to get his gun. So, yeah, this was absolutely on hard rotation, and then, like you, Devlin, completely fell away. And which is strange because I am such a big JC fan, um, aka James Cameron. Um, that I would, <laughs> I, I just I would have normally have just like consumed everything and can, kept consuming it for for obvious reasons to try and you know become a a better a better film student. But but it really did just drop off, and then, like you say, availability now difficult but we'll do our best to uh, to try and bring more eyeballs back to the back to the movie because i do think it does deserve it sandwiches um but we'll get into it shall we okay patrick will you remind us and the listeners of the plot to true lies helen Tasker loves her husband harry
3: a boring computer salesman it's not like he's saving the world or anything right but harry Tasker leads a double life and is in fact a secret agent for the omega sector He works with asshole fellow agents Gib and Faisal, and are in hot pursuit of art dealer Juno, who has dealings with extreme Islamic terrorist group Crimson Jihad, led by Aziz, bent on nuclear arms. Harry's visit to Juno leads Aziz and his men to attempt to kill Harry in a public bathroom. A wild chase ensues, with Aziz escaping with a splash, but due to the chase... Harry misses his birthday party at home Helen and daughter Dana have lovingly prepared for him The next day, Harry visits Helen at her office to smooth things over but overhears her talking to Simon on the phone making arrangements to meet Oh no, has Harry's secret life led her into the arms of another man? Is Simon a secret agent too? Alas, no Simon is a horny used car salesman who creates a hint of danger promise of adventure for bored housewives to get them out of their daily suburban grind for a few hours from their dickless husbands, and shares this with Harry, who pretends to want the car, and leaves forlorn and full of rage. When Simon takes Helen for more seduction, Harry kidnaps them both and scares Simon and his little dick away, and then abuses his position to give Helen her own adventure. She's sent to a hotel to dance sexy, do some We are reminded that Juno and the Crimson Jihad are still at large and they kidnap Harry and Helen for interrogation on a remote island in the Florida Keys. They're in a race now to stop the detonation of a nuclear warhead and Juno takes Helen. Harry pursues and saves her on the seven-mile bridge with seconds to spare and they embrace in the distant haze of a nuclear bomb detonated safely. Their marriage seemingly saved. Helen changed forever. But wait! Aziz has kidnapped Dana! and has another warhead in a downtown skyscraper in Miami. Harry takes to the air in pursuit. Can Harry save Dana and become the daddy she needs and survive to continue repairing his home life and live to tango another day?
1: Right, Duncan, before we get into it, I have, like, a question, because I feel like this is the outlier in James Cameron's oeuvre. It's not an, ori- well, it's not an original movie. It's a remake of a French film called La Le- Hotel*. So here's my question. Why did James Cameron do this? Hold your thoughts. Because I'm gonna add some context. This is a nine part
2: question. It's called yeah, it's full partridge, <laughs> honestly. We mentioned East Anglia
3: once
1: and gally has gone full partridge. <laughs> <laughs> just just for context, listeners, and before I uh, before I get Duncan's views on this, nineteen ninety two, James Cameron signs a five year deal worth five hundred million dollars with Fox Studios, representing a portion of the costs of the next twelve projects that Cameron would produce for the studio, four of which he was slated to direct. True Lies was the first one of those. Titanic was the next one. Titanic. And then Titanic, you know, I know, I never got it. Um, But then, but then he never does it. He never fulfills the contract, but he did produce uh, Strange Days and uh, Solaris and a few others for Fox. So there we go. We've got a big money deal straight away. Yeah. So that might speak to it. Arnold was keen to make the movie and it's actually Arnold that brought it to Cameron's attention he wanted to do and I'm I'm not taking the piss here I, the interview says that he wanted to do, he wanted to do a character a proper character so Harry Tasker seemed like a good fit um similar to detective John Kimball I guess <laughs> um so at this point though and here's where I'm getting into I don't know James Cameron but I want to know him and I feel like mm. this film reveals more about him than any other movie. Hmm. He's been divorced three times, just got just got divorced with Catherine Biglow in nineteen ninety one. He's dating Linda Hamilton after they reconnect on T2. Is this his middle aged bachelor movie? Duncan, help me.
4: <laughs> I don't know about that. I think to me this is his so bear in mind it's coming hot off the heels of Terminator 2, which obviously is arguably one of his most successful films um for me this is kind of like budget wise and studio schedule wise this is where Terminator 3 probably would have landed but it's like a this is his inception if you liken him to to you know Chris Nolan I would say this is kind of his inception this is his no I'm not doing another franchise movie even though I came up with it I'm doing this and i'm gonna this i'm gonna go crazy and i'm gonna do this other thing it's a puff piece yeah it kind of is but you know what it works like that's that's the thing i mean i will say you know much as inception did i think it's his kind of like fuck it you know let's just do the thing um and um and he's he's excellent at it it's his only real comedy as well isn't it i mean it's i mean because arguably it falls into that camp um and i think it's quite clever with Various things which we'll, we'll get to, certainly perspective is one of them, but I, I, I just think it's a sort of balls to the wall, let's just throw everything on the screen and see what happens, you know, cause bearing in mind he could write his own ticket at this point. Um he's got Arnold back, you know, he's, he's got Bill Paxton of course, you know, he's got a bunch of toys to play with and this, this is just, it's not an original property, right? La Total was, it only came out a couple of years before that. The, 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 so he's remaking something that's fairly recent. Um, but I think it's a, I don't know what was going through his head at the time. I think it was partly a sort of ego trip in a way, which is that me Schwarzenegger, we can do no wrong. And in a way they couldn't, you know, I mean, I mean, this is their last thing together, which is kind of interesting. You know, I think, I think, well, Schwarzenegger, I don't think has ever been as good. I don't think Cameron, I think Cameron of things like Titanic. I'm I'm a big fan of, but it's overshadowed by the kind of whole, you know, um, leo and kate of it all um avatar is avatar Uh, but this to me is a real i think it represents an apex for cameron for schwarzenegger and for movie making in general because it's this beautiful you know it's like the cgi and the practical effects are all kind of working together and um i don't know it's it's a script that again much like Terminator 2 has Depth, I, I hesitate to say depth because obviously they're just huge action vehicles in one sense, but it does have depth. It does have, um, questions of roles, of stereotypes, of, um, you know, uh, we, and in this case, it's the, the nuclear family. Um, in, in the case of Terminator 2, it's the nuclear family. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's a lot that's very similar between the two, but I think we're kind of exploring different, things there and it's so there's depth not massive depth but there's depth and obviously there's incredible filmmaking going on and action filmmaking so uh, to sort of come back via the circuitous route that I am to your original question I I
3: I don't know (laughs) I don't know what was going on but it's but I love it so there you go I'm interested though Gally you said Schwarzenegger brought this to Cameron
1: yes yes um his brother-in-law at the time one of the Shrivers forgive me Introduced him to stogies. Yes, yeah.
3: stogies <laughs> and true lies. And maids.
4: Puerto Rican maids. Excellent.
1: <laughs> allegedly. Um, he did. Not allegedly. But, definitely. Ale- that's what he happened. <laughs> <that's, laughs> no, 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 no,
4: no, no. There is no ambiguity. It definitely happened. Carry on.
1: It was an omission in his, uh, in his biography, Total Recall, which by the way is a great read, but the, I was, I was waiting for that chapter. It never came. The house was exceptionally clean. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's I totally agree with you, Duncan. I do feel like this is them both flexing their kind of their yeah. muscles within, within, within the industry. And you're right about that apex because a year later, bad boys isn't it. The beginning of Bayhem starts and, and a whole new generation of action filmmakers take the genre to a different space. You know, you've got that whole MTV editing style that Cameron's definitely not doing in this movie. This, this feels like a very, it's technically so proficient in, in it's like in its filmmaking, but you could argue that this is about the limit that Cameron was going to take big, big action and actually we just talked um on twister didn't we patrick how how Jan de bont or as we've now called him Flash de bont Flash de bont he he wanted to do twister because he saw the writing on the walls and he was like oh, i want to do one big last practical practically led action movie but this is the same year as
3: speed as well so it mm-hmm. and i think when we did speed episode we discussed that also that that changing of the guard so to speak and the the practical versus cgi in the 90s is coming up like completely different models and uh, models of filmmaking excuse me not literal models and and way of filmmaking that they're all adapting to but you know it's funny that speed was the same year because it's big robust action film like this that is physical and i just i'm really interested that shawshaker brought it to cameron the cameron may you know like Obviously, if a winner getting him as Terminator. Do you just turn around and say, Yeah, fuck it, that sounds great. I've got all this money.
1: You're the biggest action star in the world. Let's we can do what we want, right? Well, it feeds into because I found the movie, rewatching it, obviously as a child, I'm not thinking about like how loaded the dialogue is, but it feels like a locker room movie. Like this is a proper like boys with toys kind of it it gives that vibe off anyway. Uh, and I do wonder if it was just like, like you say, here's an opportunity. I've just got like a huge check from Fox. Um, let's, let's just do it. But I don't know, Devlin, you got any, any thoughts on, on Cameron inside? Do you know the man? Shall we <laughs> ring him and ask? <laughs> Mr. Devlin, the phone calls come in. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Is it Wiggly?
3: Is Miss, it Wiggly? Mr.
2: Cramrian. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Cranbrian. Uh, no, we do have big posters of Jim Cameron uh, around at, at work. Jim's, and, uh, Cameron. Geo Ambassador, Jim's Cameron. Jim's Cameron, because he's <laughs> a Nat Geo Ambassador. That's what we call him. Jim's uh, the business. bomb. <laughs> Jim's, 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 Jim's Cameron's. The, the the changing of the guard with the, um, the fact that this and Speed occupied uh, uh, different spots in the top 10 for the year is quite interesting because it's a handoff to a completely different type of action star. Uh, Keanu Reeves is a a sensitive, new age, Gen X kind of, you know, uh, sub-pop listening, kind of accessible, you know, feminist friendly, uh, like a a more approachable guy for a, a different era. Arnold is very unreconstructed. And this was his last hurrah. I mean, the tumble kind of begins and he's not this is like he's king shit of fuck mountain for the last time
0: <laughs> like
2: and and yeah it's 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 the last time that that kind of uh a movie gets sold on star power and spectacle alone it's mm-hmm. like well james cameron has already blown your mind once look what he's going to do with all the money in the world and arnie's here and he's still you know carrying all the cachet and uh beyond that point It becomes, that's when we start talking about the, you know, the elevator pitch movies really, really kick into high gear where, you know, speed literally is the bus that couldn't slow down. And then beyond that, action cinema kind of changes. Um, It's weird that I I think the, the fact that he wanted to be funny for the, this is Cameron, for the first time in his career, is maybe that he saw that there was post Die Hard, everything got quite quippy and he'd never really done that tried a few clips in
3: judgment day though didn't he i need a vacation
2: worst line well apparently he was dead set on tom arnold and i mean i understand the well, idea of the this time, being like a um you know yeah he, this, he was he was a huge deal and and yeah. if it wasn't him it would have been fucking jim belushi which jesus tom arnold i can't imagine anyone else doing it. i you know
4: his personal life aside i can't imagine anyone else doing this apart from him It for some reason he's just he absolutely shines in this
1: He's a good. He's a good foil. He's yeah, a good foil yeah.
4: for
2: for for this Arnie. There's a, there's a real like. I think the the great thing about Arnold's kind of commitment to the the not particularly great comedy that he's given and the fact that it works at all is just Arnie's great at never like it's it's full commitment. He's winking mm. at the thing, but he's never taking the piss out of what he's doing. He's completely. Mm. You know, like we are saying when he's, when he's doing his director's commentaries, you can tell this guy's totally 100% on board with whatever's going on. He's got like, it's like a, an enormous puppy dog, like a giant terrifying slab of meat with a puppy dog inside it, <laughs> but also an extremely horny, angry one that likes to murder people by snapping their necks. I
1: don't know. I don't know whether that's a mixed metaphor, I think. Well, well, Duncan, how's, how's <laughs> about this one then? So yeah. Arnie, I, 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 I just heart on sleeve. I do. I love his movies. Um, there was a. The, I think for me, it was End of Days. Uh, End of the Days is underrated for me as a as a kind of action movie. I think it's actually yeah, quite good for yeah. what for what it, for what it is. And then the the real the real dirge kind of sets in. I think it's Sixth Day where I, I, that was the one where I went. Oh, he's he's done. He's he's done. Yeah. Um, I think that was yeah. after. I can't remember that was after End of Days. It
4: was after End of Days,
1: but I can't it was remember after End of Days
4: before. Collateral damage. Collateral damage, I think, if it was just mm. a low budget actioner would be fine. But it was obviously the kind of supposed to be that, cause that came after Terminator 3, which was a big part of the mm. downward, knew? new, <laughs> you know,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Anyway, you were making a point. But, but all right. I was going to say was, you know, so mm. I am, I'm loving Arnold and I'm loving Arnold as a, as a young viewer, it fits, but rewatching it now, as an older, an older chap, I can't help but wonder if he's quite right for the role. If they wanted to make the film that I think the premise is trying to sell, which is the super spy who gets, you know, completely loses it when he's when he's at home with with the kids. Yeah. Because um, Arnold, he does all the comedy stuff well, he does all the action stuff well, but there's a couple of moments in the movie where we're asking him to emote. and it's I think it's supposed to be kind of actually there's some dramatic stakes here and i'm just not sure he's he's right for it also my theory with him is i've always accepted him don't even need to like question it in science fiction as a genre or like in an action movie where he is clearly the super alpha but in this he's downtrodden i mean they put him in a in a <laughs> cotton cardigan but it doesn't <laughs> fool me. That yellow cotton cardigan that they put in. But he, I mean, me. he
3: had just done jingle all the way, and he he was a convincing everyday man in that. You you'd you'd buy a bed <laughs> from him, would you? Can I proffer a,
4: a theory on that? Because I I I I hear you. Um, and this sort of talk, this was one of my this was my only talking point about this film. That it occurs to me, really, it's a question of perspective, and I think this film kind of offers you decoy perspectives and puts you in the you think you're following a protagonist when actually you're following someone else and i think the what's quite clever about it and it and it doesn't i'm not saying this is necessarily what they intended but for me it's like i think the i think we're following helen a lot of the time and i think arnold's character is built up to be this hero so he's this large he looks like an action man he looks like everyone's stereotypical and this film gets a lot of um, crap for sort of buying into stereotypes. But I think it's if you look at it from the perspective of who's seeing them as that, who's actually, you know, because Arnold's character gets to do the whole action hero thing. And it's like, is that the perspective of him? It could be. Is it the perspective of us? Or is it the perspective of his wife who thinks he's a hero? Not literally, but obviously in the film, it's kind of, you see him doing all this heroic stuff. And at a certain point it flips. Arguably it could be when she's pulled out of the limo, because that is symbolically a a birth. You know, it's like a, you know, and she's above water. It's like a baptism and it's kind of lazy, but, you know, and it's like suddenly it flips and suddenly he's like, you know, because he starts turning into a little boy. He goes like, bye and like runs off and like to save the daughter <laughs> are we looking at her perspective are we look at who he's a sort of heroic dad by the end he you know and then also she turns into this incredibly sexy you know and i know there's a lot made of that but it's like it's part of that's her choice and then part of it is is he seeing her as that all of a sudden is it because he's been awoken to her sexuality and her um capabilities and her you know so who are we viewing this through you know, and that's where the sort of stereotyping, I think, starts to make more sense. Um, and so the kind of dopey, like, bearing in mind at the end, is like shirts ripped around his bicep. He's looking, it he just looks like if you were to draw <laughs> ultimate dad, like who saves the day, that's what he would look like, right? So it's, it's the, it's from the point of view of the nuclear family who wants the ultimate provider, protector and all that stuff that's what it is and it's not necessarily saying that this is all realistic and you should take it seriously even though the characters in it kind of are but not really because there's moments like when he's looking through the binoculars and tom arnold's just chattering in his ear about divorce and with one of the lenses just go, it smashes and it's like that's surreal you know i I know the dream thing with killing bill paxton is one thing but it's like there's surreal moments in it that you go what am i watching
3: did that literally happen or is this who whose eyes am i viewing this through so there's a lot mm-hmm. well, of, you then, know, and it's for the, the, this is where I wanted to go back to Callie's question, Duncan, because like, how, how did this get made and what the decision making? So w- let's talk of the influences on this. This isn't, uh, a straight collar Terminator serious film with a little bit of comedy in its, um, dialogue and, and personality. This is a, Duncan said it, it was a comedy, right? So it's, it's a parody, right? And it's, it doesn't matter that he's, an unbelievable straight, you know, like you don't believe that he'd be in that role. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a spoof in a way.
1: Yeah. I, 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 I definitely get the farce and, and the parody, I guess where I'm bumping up against some of, cause Duncan, actually, I think I'm, as you were talking, I was like nodding going. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. I, I was <laughs> properly agreeing with you, but I think, I think where the disconnect is then for me is, in the choices for the dialogue because it feels a bit strange. There's a lot of like weird interactions. Um it's interesting. Um and also I think I don't know how self aware it is. And I wonder if if we had like a Kurt Russell type a-, a la big trouble in Little China. Maybe but I know we're deconstructing Arnold. I guess in a way Can maybe you what you're saying would have of like the dialogues Oh, uh, so when when Tom Arnold just there's a whole section when he's talking about um, Dana uh, and a fourteen year old losing her virginity.
4: Yeah, yeah, but isn't he a stereotype? Who's who are we looking at him through the eyes of? Because to me, he's the he's he's. Um... What's his name? Van Houten. He's Milhouse's dad. He's the sad divorcee, you know, because <laughs> at the time he was divorcing Roseanne Barr. Right. And he's like, what kind of sick bitch takes the ice cubes out of there. And then that was what apparently happened. I don't know if that's true, but it, but the whole thing is, it's like, if you're a married man and you're going through, like you think your wife's cheating on you and you've got this mate who's trying to help. And he's going on about the beauties of divorce when really he doesn't mean it. He doesn't want to be divorced. He just, that's he's just holding on. To, it's pathetic. You know, and it's kind of like, there's a lot of male... There's the used car salesman, there's the action hero, there's the divorcee. You know, are these
0: real? Welcome to the club, man. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody thinks it can happen to them the first time, buddy. Same exact thing happened to his wife number two, remember? I had no idea nothing's going on, right? I come home one day, and the house is completely empty. And I mean
2: completely empty. She even took the ice cube trays out of the freezer. What kind of a sick bitch takes the ice cube trays out of the freezer?
0: love helen hey harry hey listen helen still loves you you know she just wants to bang this guy for a while you know it's nothing serious you'll get used to it so <laughs> cheering me
1: up maybe you know what it is maybe it's just because it's it feel it feels so ill-disciplined that i then right don't necessarily track because it's quite it's quite sloppy but in a fun way because it's Genuinely I've no idea what sometimes there's transitions from scene to scene where I'm like, I don't even know how we've got here. But we're here, we're in we're in Chinatown with <laughs> with Simon and Helen. I'm just like, what is going on? Well we spoke about very briefly offline Duncan
3: and just before and Gallie, I was trying to get here making sure I could attend tonight. And um funnily enough, the last one we spoke about this kind of structural ill discipline and problematic for, uh in storytelling was thoroughly modern Millie. And and about in the end of the th- First act, we kind of just lose the antagonist and the bad guy and the, um, the Art Malik character and, um, what's her name? Dreamweaver. What's the name? For Wayne's <laughs> World. <laughs> Cassandra. Um, t- Cassandra. Cassandra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her name yeah. was Cassandra. <laughs> um, Juno. Ju- oh, God's sake. You know Juno Skinner? Skinner. Carrera, oh, sorry. Yeah. We completely lose them to like, for the middle of the film. And it's like, whoa, well, where's this film going? And it become, it, it, it kind of threw me the other night when I, when I watched it. Cause then all of a sudden in the hotel, when we get back into, oh, there's a bad guy and a terrorist subplot here. Because you know we've been having fun with Bill Paxton and their relationship, which again is a, it's the plot point is their relationship and how is that how's that marriage going to survive throughout it and and everything.
4: Yeah, but I I think that's I think that's are we looking at this through Helen's eyes? Because I think the Bill Paxton cat. So I think you know you could read it as this, and this is totally open to interpretation. But it's like, is what's going on with Harry what she would love it to be? And then she sort of manifests Bill Paxton's character, who's lying, true lies, about Mm -hmm. being him. And in some cases, literally, he's taking credit for their work, right? He sort of metastasizes.
3: If she's craving that kind of lifestyle, that excitement, and her husband's there, you know, in plain sight, true lies. And then it's full circle. She gets it at the end. But from a Mm. filmmaking and like an audience perspective, you know, like it's, it kind of, Gally talks about whiplash every now and then. Like, hold on. Oh yeah, there's, there's a bad guy and we're back in, when they, when they raid them at the hotel, like, fuck yeah, okay, right. Yes, back into the, what was the beginning of the film with the terrorist group and the infiltrating Tia Carrera. It's, it's strange. Well,
4: it's almost like they're only there when they're needed, which again is the yeah, thing yeah. of like, well, whose perspective? It projects
3: again? the final act. It's just like, here we yeah. go. Let's go off on yeah, the yeah, acting yeah. film. Yeah. We've resolved True. the. I don't know relationship at some point, and off you go.
2: Structurally, um, what I noticed was that the first like hour, hour and hour and ten maybe is so swift and so kind of um, and everything's so well made that I, I don't think that's where the problems are. I think that it's it 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 becomes bumpier as it goes along. I think, Ali, you were talking about some of the dialogue is maybe a little off, and it's probably because every character every male character is introduced as doing a sexism (laughs) yeah yeah multiple sexisms so even charlton heston is like he shoes the woman out of the room when it's time to get down to work and you've got grant Heslov's character is talking about i'm hacking the files i've got my hand on her thigh it's going up as skirt and uh so it's probably but that i think is just that i didn't know whether that was just a sign of the times that that's just that whether that was the the banter of the day or whether we were supposed to um you know whether whether we were supposed to be potentially judging these characters for that
3: truly taking the piss out of like this the bond spy thriller and their sexism that's
2: been throughout that for decades isn't isn't that the the connery thing where i I don't really know much about but there's the one where he 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 sends it in gold finger maybe where he's wearing a terry toweling one piece with short shorts and he spanks (laughs) a woman on the ass and says men men are talking (laughs) sends her off is that the one but the um the actualization of of uh jamie lee curtis is very interesting and her performance especially in the interrogation sequence is so much stronger than i remember it there's real heft behind it. It's such a turning point in the film.
3: I like the way she trends, like, forms herself, definitely, before she goes in the hotel room as well. Like, it's... She does a lot of good work in that section of the film. Um,
2: A lot of... Uh, if if we were going to jump ahead to Critics' Corner, a lot of uh, reviewers at the time and since have found the, uh, the lay on your back and close your seduction <laughs> sequence to be, like, it's super creepy. And... i'm so ashamed of myself um so uh, i i don't know what what do you guys make of of that because that is like the pivotal moment that's that's the point at which the lies stop being true and the truth stops being a lie
0: my name is michelle carl thought you'd like me let me do the talking you may start by unzipping your dress No, no, turn around, do it, do some more, do it very slowly, good, now slip the dress down slowly. good now slide your nylons off one by one i'm not wearing any that's good now dance for me no 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 dance sexy let your hands be all lover's hands on your own skin as you move.
3: I don't I do find it creepy because, on you know me, I'm I'm often all surface like when I my observations. And then this one, I see he's just had the kind of eye-opening awakening of his marriage with Simon. Uh He's got a, a little dick. Um, <laughs> I'm navel lint. <laughs> <Well, that's the, laughs> I saw this as a kind of way for him to give her what he thinks she wants and it's clumsy yeah and you know it, it's kind of in keeping with his character because he's failed her for quite a while now and she's been bored housewife but he's trying to do something actually quite romantic and to like help it because he was going to reveal that he was him right to her at the end yeah
1: eventually that. the 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 rose uh and then the kiss yeah. i mean i didn't yeah. know I, I, I there's a part of me that wants to see the take or it's like hello, it's me, <laughs> before the terrorist <laughs>
3: Yeah. It, it, I can see, I understand the criticism of it, but um her actions at the end, you know, it's all her development and how she's handled it and how she's growing. And she does really well uh, to handle the situation.
4: She was going to walk in the room in that ridiculous frog and that's what he was expecting. And then she walks in like that and does this incredible striptease. And you do see it in his character. Like he's like, that's my wife like, the <laughs> could always I... to yeah. him
3: are great like crazy these expressions and the closeups are fucking great,
4: so I agree yeah yeah, yeah, and That's it's like that... she totally
2: transforms in that you know it's it's you you're totally right
3: do do you agree like do you find it creepy
2: i I found the, the uh uh the power imbalance and the manipulation um creepy but also the it's a tough one because it's like in 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 practice, yeah. It's like it's you know he was using literally the power of the entire U.S. government to spy on her and then <laughs> grabbed her while wearing a ski mask and chucked her in a van and then interrogated her and probably thinking that the the worst possible things would happen. Like literally said, your life and that of your family will be ruined. That's a fucking terrifying thing to do to anyone, especially your wife. I think yeah, it's gone beyond role play, hasn't it? There's something about the film and the way it's put together. And I think, Ali, when you were saying, would any other um, lead work? I think there's something so inherently cartoonish about Arnie that it takes the edge off anything grotesque that may or may not happen. It puts everything in this realm of like, oh, we're in like a sphere of total speculative fiction, no matter how realistic some elements may be. Nothing is really happening because nobody has commented that this enormous meat refrigerator
1: <laughs> is walking around. It's, it's so crazy as a child how I could accept this, this guy as the, as a secret agent who wanders through a room and no one really notices him. So I guess <laughs> me, that's the deconstruction of, of his stardom, I guess, because but, he has literally done that his entire career. And, and, and I guess Cameron's make. Is he making a point of it? But, you know, you're right, Devlin, Michael Douglas couldn't play Harry Tasker because then that comes... Well, he could, but it, absurd, but it becomes... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, you're but, right. It becomes too uh, too literal. That's my point, though, is it's like whose
4: perspective is that through? Because I think it's a case of Helen has built up this version of her husband that then became true. It was a lie that became true in her head, right? He's out there saving the world. She says it at the start. You know, he's saving the world and that's played for a laugh. Or sort of irony, cause then he walks into his Omega sector briefing, um, with Chuck, Chuck Heston looking for all the world like Nick Fury. But, um, and you're right. And there's all these male stereotypes and it's nuts, but is it, are we seeing that world as she would imagine it? That he's literally out there doing all this crazy nuts bullshit. It was like, is he really doing that? I don't know. And then, you know, you've kind of got all this stuff. I don't think uh, that
3: story's told that ambiguously though like he's in okay. his own environment yeah
4: maybe
3: i, I don't see her imagining that stuff because
4: i'm not saying the
1: film is that smart and i and i'm not saying that i'm that smart <laughs> either it could be you know because there is a disconnect where what you're saying makes sense to me now but as I, in the moment as i'm watching mm. it I, I don't know i'm i'm reacting differently um i think it's i, I mean i i suppose it's if you If you see it as like the
4: nuclear family as viewed through the lens of a sort of action film, you know, it's like everyone's got suspicions about each other. You know, the kid is stealing money. The wife's having an affair, even though, you know, but it's an affair with the guy she sort of imagined out of thin air almost. I know. That's not quite what's happened, but it's like she's projected the, the view of what she wishes her husband was onto this used car salesman who happens to be bullshitting and lying his way because he's used car, used car salesman, you know, and it's like, I don't know, there's, and, and, I, and then you've got Tom Arnold, who's this sort of like stereotypical divorcee, you know, whatever, like it's everyone's very cynical. Everyone's very, you know, um, playing up to stereotypes. I can't imagine that's just lazy writing i think it's done deliberately i don't know that they're necessarily saying you have to put your eyes in anyone's head necessarily but there is a i think there's a real deliberate effort to make everyone be a stereotype but with a certain a certain key in that means that you can go hang on it's 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 deeper than just that it's deeper than that they aren't just what they present themselves as i'm not saying this is like citizen kane and we should all read mega you know it's a big action movie i just don't think it's as dumb as people say and i don't think it's as clever as perhaps i'm saying you know but i think there's a middle ground there that you know it gets away with perhaps
3: funnily enough um a few years ago i don't know six seven years ago i worked with art malik he's in the film wonderful disease and he was i really liked him he was he was really nice and i couldn't kind of resist it was like so you worked on True Lies. <laughs> uh, back when I was a bit younger and, um, yeah, a bit more bold in asking actors things. And he, um, he spoke fondly of his experience on this film and he, he, I didn't ask him, but he went straight into the stereotype and like, like mm. he thought I was going to ask him about, about, um, cause we're, we're actually, dealing with some racial issues in the program, like the, the, the plot line that we had, it was a thing called Arthur and George on ITV, about Arthur Conan Doyle. And he um went straight into it, which I found, you know, like, oh, wow, I didn't know we were going to go there, but okay. And he said that he wouldn't have ordinarily taken that role as that stereotype, and he was cautious of it, but he trusted Cameron, and he liked the script, and he understood what the script was doing, and he was kind of eased into the character and fine with it. And he said he kind of maybe looks back and regrets that that would have stereotyped him and, and typecast him at the time but his decision making was really interesting uh, and how he looked back on it.
4: We'd done the Living Daylights before that hadn't we? So it was just kind of same ballpark I guess but not quite.
3: He, he, and it was threatening him going down that spiral at the time you know like early 90s very easy mm. to um terrorist groups in, in films or whatever but
2: yeah nice guy the reading of it as a um you know like a a, an investigation of the uh the nuclear family which is which is really interesting And, and like you said it's something that cameron has done um quite a lot this kind of you know building these little triumvirates of you know it's a it goes back to um it's inherent i don't i don't want to say it's inherently conservative as in, like, conserve in, in, in the kind of shotguns on the porch sense. I just mean, in a, like, there's, there's this idea that, um, there's a fallback to, um, to set these kind of stories, especially stories that have a very classical bent to them. They go back, you know, to, to kind of, they're, they're supposed to appeal to some lizard part of our brain that sort of is inherently drawn to these structures that we have. Um, and I think that um it's really interesting to see this as a deconstruction of that. And I think one thing that clouds it is the decision to have a Keystone Cups Muslim group mm. being the bad guys. Mm. I I do think that at the time it was probably a little easier to pick that off the 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 peg. you yeah. like Hot Shots Part Two, having like, oh yeah, I was got a, a Hot a com- Shots
1: Part Two. <laughs> like, exactly. like
2: you've got a comedy Saddam. You you. It, this was the era whereby it was yeah. like um the, the the gulf war was such a strange war in that it took place far away and it kind of incurred very few losses on the american side and for that it kind of it felt almost like they could distance from it and i remember uh, hearing somewhere that
1: cameron was potentially going to use irish uh IRA he was terrorists. devlin yes yeah, so that was <sighs> the original conception and he felt like that was too much in the zeitgeist oh well, wow, okay and interesting I mean, se-
2: setting aside the the suggestion that perhaps you know it's harder to dehumanize white people. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: Remember at the time when we Robin Hood, Prince
3: of Thieves, and we said it was interesting casting and characterization at times of Azim. Aziz, Azim. Excuse me, Azeem. Morgan Freeman as a, a positive character. I always
2: found that interesting because I've never really thought of Cameron as as the kind of you know um, the super flag wavy kind of conservative filmmaker. So. I do find it interesting of of the decision to make this film be so. Um, it is kind of the only one in his in his whole back catalog. Although, which um, which Rambo did he write?
1: Was it two. three? Two. It
2: was two. two. Okay. Apologies, two. Because yeah. three would have been three is three is the full kind of you know Ronald Reagan's America <laughs> fuck everyone yeah, fuck yeah. everyone but us kind of thing. But you know they they did have a little more nuance to start with um yeah. but yeah i don't know i guess that's that's an interesting thing like the the use of the uh the crimson jihad it's interesting like you said patrick that art malik would bring that up so quickly yeah he went straight i i remember it vividly because i just
3: like what was true lies like bang
1: oh yeah great yeah. Yeah. you you wanted to know was you know how was arnie i guess yeah. or, or something like what that? was He's it like, like, like being <laughs> being hung
2: <laughs> off a rocket by a backpack
1: like Wiley yeah. coyote and shot into a <laughs> helicopter <laughs> Yeah, or, or when you watch Toy Story, did you think, oh, there was a similar shot of me, like okay. when Woody gets <laughs> blown off the rocket?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, what I mean, thoughts, Duncan. I mean, because it's easy to, from the perch of 2022 to look at True Lies and go, oh, well, that's that's bad. But I think that is just completely lazy criticism because clearly nobody is gonna is gonna see, you know, foresee what comes after 94. Um, I think the first bombings of the World Trade Center it was, was 93. ninety-three. So yeah, 93. so you yeah. could you could see you could see how that would just be well. There's an easy, like you say, Devlin, off the shelf. We've already kind of done the Cold War stuff, so we'll go for a different type of group. I wonder if it would have just been less of a problem, certainly for modern audiences, if they just made up a country like al a- and just did a <laughs> Alfred, a plug
2: what, what country, country, country was it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you, um, Duncan. You saw I've what I did there. That. Um thank you. Yes, you set me up perfectly very familiar that. very familiar with that country there. Yes, indeed.
4: I I um, no, I I I I hear you on that and I and I kind of think obviously, you know, um hindsight is 2020. I I agree on uh, with that and you know, obviously one shouldn't stereotype, but I think it's a it's a film full of stereotypes. You know, and again, it's like I, I'm not suggesting for a moment that it's like Crimson Jihad is just this sort of concocted thing that's, you know, that's a sort of manifestation of their desires to have an existential threat that they can, that he can be the perfect father who protects his daughter again, because it becomes very personal. He he literally it's about saving his daughter from them. You know, they blow up a nuke in the keys or whatever, and that seems sort of to have very little effect. But it's like when he kidnaps his daughter, goes after it, suddenly then it becomes a big deal. You know, so it's like, you know... I, yeah, he, I,
3: the I, nuclear bombs and ejaculation metaphor right? when he kisses his wife, he jizzes in his pants, yeah? <laughs> yes, exactly,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they drape the American flag over it before pouring concrete on it and all that, you know, so it's quite, yeah, it's quite ejaculative, if you will. And I agree with you, I think... I, but, but again, it's like, who are we really seeing this through? I And I'm not, again, I'm not saying necessarily that the filmmaking is quite smart enough to say definitively... You know, it's one person or the other. But I think it is slightly about what you bring into it. I don't know really how much I buy into the reality of all this stuff. And in a way, I think that's the point. But I'm, again, certainly not excusing, you know, labels and stereotypes because, you know, that's I wouldn't want to do that.
1: The way I see it as well, Duncan, is the amount of attention that Cameron has towards that what I thought was plot A but becomes plot B is Mm. quite telling. Mm. as you say they they burst in when they're required (laughs) to further the plot but actually as as like yeah we don't Mm. we don't get any sense of their ideology there isn't really a great deal of characterization that the person out of the entire group that we get some form of sympathy who then falls off the edge of a bridge into a a pool of brick is is the blessed cameraman who's run out of battery which is a is a good joke it's a great gag it's a great battery yeah yeah absolutely we, uh... so I, I i'm i'm with you i'm with you on that one so let's concentrate on what is my favorite part of true lies and it's enter stage left <laughs> simon aka bill paxton and that mustache it, it, it's one it's wonderful stuff now i mean it's not just i don't think I, we were talking about it offline i don't think there's been an a performer who who garners such love from like every corner of film Twitter than Bill Paxton. Like anytime it's his you know, you know, God bless him, anytime his birthday comes around, anytime like aliens re release or whatever, it's just like an outpouring. He was just in these killer films and these killer roles though, wasn't he? Just Jamie Lee Curtis is the MVP for me of mm. True Lies, but Bill Paxton is is like carrying her coat. Is he, he the ham nail Oh it's a ham Neil award no no two <laughs> to say. about Ham-Neil. it absolutely uh, don't get familiar with the with the ham neil award and and the, uh, okay, the I Qualifying guess it has something to the do with the, there, the, the new zealand based actor sam Neil uh, <laughs> it's a good chance to remind our listeners and those new listeners what the ham Neil award is all about. the movie event horizon is uh, yes. a movie <laughs> that is. That can you can only ever really enjoy it fully if you accept Ham Neil, and and that is no, where it came from. So we f- from. we figured he's a bit ham and cheese. He's called <laughs> Sam Neil. We are not the deepest of people, so we <clears> just <throat> called him Ham Neil, and therefore we now have an award. Yeah, it's the it's the man or woman who gets the assignment
2: best.
4: Could we say that Simon is sort of the the whipping boy of the film? So he's like he's what Helen needs him to be and he's what harry needs him to be so he's hmm. the sort of the complete he calls himself naval Lint, and he has a little dick
3: i'm a wake-up call i think he says and
4: that's right a, that's
3: it on the nose right
4: basically what anyone needs him to be. and right at the end obviously they confront him when they're both doing the tango and it's sort of again that's a bit like all she needed was a good you know <clears throat> by the end you know which is a <laughs> bit of an iffy thing to land on but you know she's like i'll just do him right here you know she becomes a spy as if all you need to be a spy is sort of... A bloody good Roger in it. Yeah. yeah, apparently.
1: <laughs> it was, you know, so okay, that's iffy, I get that. You're saying it's what all the characters need, Duncan. It's, it's what I crave. The thing is, Devlin, you're always the man on the timestamps. It's a good 45 minutes, isn't it? From start to end. Once, once we introduce Simon Telephone to... Helen interrogation. Well, um, structurally speaking you're talking uh, uh it's about 40 minutes before we get
2: to the end of uh, Machine Versus Horse. <laughs> yes, my and favorite. And then it's not it's not long after that that we uh, that we introduce Simon. But th- like at that point it starts to be like I say it becomes a little more not quite scattershot but but yeah, um Simon doesn't show up for a good 45 minutes into the runtime and it's perfectly deployed because he is not just uh, uh, an inciting incident for the plot, but it's just funny as hell. And and also we don't get we don't get um, uh, overburdened with him because that would. Do you remember we had an issue in Predator Two when it, him him and his shtick wasn't quite working on all
1: cylinders, mm, yes. and
2: and he gets a little great in. He's introduced with the BB
4: gun as well, isn't he? Which is sort of an impotence joke, I think, because Schwarzenegger shot off a lot of guns, yeah. and he just shoots at that target, and it's like, <laughs> and it's things like with the champagne with the champagne and they clink the glasses and they're plastic that's such a lovely bit of sound design where it's like
2: click. it's just like oh god oh just when he's closing the blinds it's like and the penthouse in new
0: york <laughs> <laughs> hey you mind keeping it under 90 i'm still trying to pay for this dental work so who are you working on right now <laughs> i always got a couple on the hook you know there's this one right now i got her pen like a dog <laughs> it's great what does she do some sort of legal secretary or something. You know, a tight and conservative. Oh, but she could be so hot if she wanted to be. Hey, but you, she gets to be real hot, huh? <laughs> red hot. Yeah. Her thighs steam. It's like a dying plant just needs a little water. Married to some boring jerk. Married to some boring jerk. Yeah, you know, he doesn't appreciate her. She's like all these babes. You get their pilot lit? they can suck start a leaf blower. <laughs> oh, gosh, she's got the most incredible body and a pair of titties make you want to stand up and beg for buttermilk. Ass like a ten-year-old boy. <laughs> so, then she must be really good and bad then, uh, huh? Uh, uh. Hey, hello, slow down, you're gonna miss the turn. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> See? <laughs> you and this car were made for each other. Why fight it? Sure, I got a couple other buyers on the line, but I like your style. So, what do you say? Should we start up the paperwork?
1: He really is so good. And he's the perfect cast not just because obviously he's hilarious, but he def- he kind of diffuses the... You know, again, if you're reading this straight and you... Uh, have got like a a slight sense of humor failure then you could be like this is deeply creepy and misogynistic and manipulative because it's bill paxton it really does like soften the blow to the point where you're almost like i kind (laughs) of one day someone does buy into his bullshit but not today
3: it's that great end zinger galley when (laughs) sure um harry's got his balaclava and he's like no no not seen your face and then he looks at me like still in the car <laughs> he says he's still adjusting in the car it's so good
4: is it, it him and him and lance henriksen are the only two people to be killed by an alien a terminator and a predator aren't they i think they're, they they the only people who hold that
3: You've just named our other Hall of Famer as well. Henrikson's been on quite a lot as well. Friend of the show.
4: I'm looking forward to. I'm trying to get him, him for a documentary actually at the moment. I'm sort of working on that. through, oh, through Richard, right. who would have loved to have been here, by the way. But um, anyway, he shot yeah. with him for for the uh, for the documentary he did with Robert England.
1: Oh, cool. Uh, so, yeah, nice. Yeah.
2: Is it about the the color of night? <laughs> Oh,
1: please tell me it's about the Colour of Night.
4: No, but you know, that'll be involved. That, well, I don't know. It's, you'll see. I don't know. We're early doors. Okay,
1: let us know because we have questions. Okay. And I doubt he, get, I doubt he gets Colour of Night questions. You fucking daffodils. <laughs> right, team. Let's talk Jamie Lee. My MVP for True Lies. I'm going to say MVP because drama. Check. Yeah. Interrogation scene. <laughs> Physical, physical comedy. Check. Show me this checklist. I want to hold it up to the camera. I want to see it. It's an audio podcast. It doesn't work that way, David. Tom Arnold? Tom Arnold? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Kicks Tom Arnold in the balls. Check. Um, No, uh, on a serious note, I just think this is possibly you know, one of her one of her finest performances. Cause the you know, look at her range, as christy the Clown would say. It's 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 a it's a star making performance. And actually, I didn't realise that she's second well she's not in second build. She's she's with Arnold on the poster, no, so it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jamie Lee Curtis. And I think that's testament to her performance because I doubt maybe that that was the case before filming started. I don't know that.
3: Cameron's, we spoke about before with Cameron, he's got a track record of good, strong female characters. You know, He seems to want that as a through line in his films. And Jamie Curtis is, is here. I just love how it's her physical performance as well as how she does the dialogue that transforms Helen from... Uh, how do I do it? Like, it, the photo in the wallet, you look at Helen with the glasses, mm. it, it looks like, <laughs> I don't know, it looks like a grandma. It's just where strange. did I get this then? Yeah, I mean, I, I get this. MacGuffin <laughs> <but, laughs> <laughs> aside. But the way, her physical transformation and the way she holds herself as Helen through to the, um, you know, even like standing, uh, going to see Simon, taking a lot of courage and going to the hotel room and dealing with the interrogation and fighting back on them, Gally said, "There does uh, her range. Yeah, she's fucking great.
1: Mm, yes, even the even the, the 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 not well. Some people might say problematic scene, but when she's doing the dancing, and we're in this like supposed super sexy sexy dance, like she just completely cuts through all of that with just some beautiful beats. The, the forward the the moment when she is falls, absolute, yeah.
3: Oh, it's so <laughs> good." <laughs> And then then, when she's lying down, I think she's kind of half shaking. Oh yeah, yeah, she's shaking. By her her shoulders and she's very, uh, that moment of acting and that, that, Mm. but then to beat Arnie, she's, yeah, she's very, very good in this and I was surprised uh, by the physical, but we were quite critical of her in H2 whoa whoa
1: indeed yeah uh, maybe maybe the person behind the camera and the script and also she was very comf- she was very comfortable in H2O i thought um, whereas this feels like not that it's out of a wheelhouse because fish called wonder she's fantastic in um and she's done oh, she's you know, great in
3: everything everywhere all at once if you've not seen that as well she's fucking oh great I in d- that. that's
1: on my list man
3: that sounds so good
1: I admire the fact that she's up against what would have been, at the time, probably the biggest, if not definitely the the highest-paid star Mm. in the industry. And she Mm. goes toe-to-toe with Arnold. uh, And, in, in fact, steals the movie from under him in plain sight.
0: I've only one more question, Mrs. Tasker. What? Do you still love your husband? Yes, I love him. I've always loved him. And I will always love him. She loves you. Now what? There's only one solution to your problem, Mrs. Taska. What are you doing, Harry? Just giving her a little assignment. you got to be shitting me. She wants a little adventure, so I'm going to give her one. I'm offering you a choice. If you work for us, we will drop the charges and you can go back to your normal life. If not, you will go to a federal prison. And your husband and daughter will be left humiliated and alone. Your life will be destroyed. (sighs) Oh, gee. Hmm. Let me think. Yes or no? Of course, yes. What's involved? You will be contacted with your assignment. The codename of your contact will be Boris. And your code name will be... Natasha? No. Doris.
3: The only thing I would say is it's, um... Remember we had Umbridge with uh bullock being sidelined on demolition man demolition man thank you it's a, it's a little bit of that towards the end here it's just like right now arnie you take it away and finish off the film
2: somewhat more understandable in 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 story terms given that she is a, a legal clerk and the fact that she drops the the scene where she drops the uzi is <laughs> brilliant it's magnificent bit of physical comedy it's a tremendously well made scene it's um you know but yeah,
1: it's, it's understandable.
2: I would have liked her to have wanted to help her daughter in full transform into
3: a helping mode there.
1: Well, yeah, her one-on-one is, is slightly earlier in the film. It's just, it's not, um, you know, normal practice now would to have both fights going simultaneously and we just cross-cut between them. In this, she has it slightly earlier.
4: Don't forget though that he, he, he says, go get him or whatever. And he goes, bye! And then runs off and jumps the thing. And it's like, does he turn into the does he turn into the ideal father at that point? Because obviously he rushes off to raise his daughter. Mm-hmm. And then who's, again, are we looking through her eyes at like, oh, dad? Because he goes, jump, daddy will catch you. And, all this sort of thing. and it's like, you know, is that, who's 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 he... F- who's he being himself for at this point i think it's for the audience yeah which but which archetype is he being right now is he being the father is he being the husband is he being just the action hero like i don't know i think like, it's all three isn't it yeah pro- yeah very possibly yeah i you know i'm only po- i'm only throwing the questions out there i don't i don't necessarily have the answers but i just you know. no no i I, yeah. I think
2: that's a really that's that's a really good question and, and um i've possibly something that maybe i didn't even see the french film nobody's seen it i think that maybe, <laughs> is that something that the, that the other film looked into more because um could be the, yeah. the title being true lies and the idea of him you know he has to have these masks that he wears and there are uh some amazing moments earlier when he is convinced of uh helen's infidelity that like Mm. there's some terrifying lighting one of those scenes kind of looks like the stepfather or something when he's walking up the stairs With his eyes yeah, yeah 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 And the lightning's yeah. outside and everything yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's freaky yeah, yeah. so i mean it, it
1: is interesting to think like yeah at what point is he him i will say this about uh harry tasker i don't know if you noticed he apologizes to everyone in the movie so mm. during the horse race sorry, yes. versus the motorbike, I don't know how many times it's like, sorry about that, sorry. Would you press the button
2: for the top floor?
4: So when he gets in the elevator yeah, with the old cup is like, I'm so sorry. Like the oh. horse's ass is like hitting her in the face. It's
2: <laughs> so good. That's a great shot. The tail in the face is yeah. yeah. Well
1: we've been we've been talking, guys, a lot about um some of the kind of the, the deeper levels right in the back of the brain. But let's talk about the front. Um some of the action in this is just incredible it's just incredible no the escalation from we're being tailed Mm.
2: and then you put the cigarette on the on the the bathroom sole and then you stand and then that bathroom fight is unbelievable i forgot how good that was Mm.
1: yeah it's It's nice to see him
3: put up against someone who's big as well to fight
1: i like the reveal of him being big because he doesn't look that big until he i think i don't know if he takes a jumper off or something and then all of a sudden he's like oh Oh, you're also good. This could, this could get yeah. interesting. And I feel for the old yeah. man. He's trying to have a dump, and and that's going on in the background. I love that. This is like Stan Lee.
0: <laughs> Excelsior! That would have been something at the end. And there's a nice little,
1: again, there's a nice little gag where I think a tile falls off at the end as he pops out of the cubicle. There's just little touches yeah. where you go, ah, here's a master at work who knows how to kind of put a button on that sequence. And then we, as you say, Devlin, we don't stop. We're just like, oh right, now we're in a chase. Then Aunt Malik does like a fucking Neo into a pool, which again, <laughs> I I was like, he's not going to make it. He is not going to. He, he does make it because bike hmm. beats horse. <laughs> the realism,
2: I think, like, are we in an actual hotel lobby or is that just an incredible set? Because that is extraordinary like it's completely if it's if it's a set or if it's a practical location or if it's some kind of unholy alliance of the two it is absolutely seamless it really does look like a we I think it's the location, location
3: I
1: think yeah I agree and I think all the money you know all the the big stuff right at the end with the Florida Keys and the the bridge again you know you don't want to sound like a an old man shouting at the clouds, but they don't make them like that anymore. Like you just, you are seeing it from the perspective of a Harrier firing missiles into a bridge. Yeah,
4: that shot, that shot of them in the helicopter going, here they come, here they come. And like seeing the Harriers come flying by, And it's just like, they did that for real. That You can't replicate that.
3: Some of the shots of the bridge blowing out and wide and with a section missing. I, I don't know. Like it just, I completely believe it. all. The yeah. the truck falling off the side, the bombs explosion. But like Cameron, the master of the rear projection, right? As well, even, even those special effects really, really hold up for me. And when I was younger, I wouldn't think twice about them. I thought they'd just drive, that's the background and they're driving. And- Is
4: it the 28th anniversary of True Jamie Lee Curtis posted something. It seems like an appropriate time to talk about it. She posted something on her social media yesterday, I think it was. Where she talked about that the stunt she did with hanging off the oh, helicopter,
3: insane! Look, what an
4: amazing shot. Yeah, and she said it took they so they had to take off from the heliport, and it took twenty minutes to fly out to the part of the bridge that they were doing it on. And they and she had to hang off, She had to be wired up, take off, hang off the helicopter, I guess, for twenty minutes till they got out there. Then do the shot with this. With, it was Arnold's stunt double holding on to him got all that and that shot like where she's just literally you see the the limo disappearing don't you underneath her and then all that and it's just like it's in sort of i guess it's at 50 yeah, it must be at 50 frames or something because it's just slowed down enough that you just see her reaction and it's just this like and then but then you cut to her later then she's going whoa like, and it's just
0: <laughs> such a great
4: that is, that's what i mean about it being like a birth or a baptism or you know i mean it's just like but it, but in a way that wasn't like she didn't need that to become her, if that makes sense. Like so she was already that because you see signs of it throughout the film. It wasn't like she needed to be pulled out of a crashing
3: limousine in order to. No, this, this the is the end of it. a uh, transformation, isn't it? It's come full circle. Yeah. Right? That's, she is new Helen. As soon as yeah. she smacked Tia yeah.
2: Ferreira about the head with a wine bottle a couple of times, that's it. <laughs> <Yeah>. She's reached <laughs> final. On that form. shot where
0: it
4: like, she spins it up and catches it. And she's like, yeah. It is so good.
3: Oh, that, that bridge chain stuff I think is fucking incredible
1: it is and mm. that's you know when, when when you say like where did the money go or is the money all on the screen that's where you're getting your bang for your buck I mean I, I, no. I watched it in I didn't watch it in the way that Jim's that intended unfortunately I had to watch it on a laptop which I know gosh, sacrilegious boo hiss but even in even on a laptop I was just like this is incredible incredible yeah it's absolutely incredible I do I will say this though I do find the Arnie Harrier saving his daughter that there's a couple of Dana well all I wanted to do is shout Jamie But, (laughs) but in a way that was the stuff that probably he was he was pushing the edge of the technology at that point there was a couple of shots that just felt a little bit ropey but that's me being very harsh it's 1994 and it still all stacks up i guess i never saw when we are introduced to art malik's terrorist that he would get hit in the balls with the on the back of a jet harrier tail (laughs) but he does it's kind of it, it goes full looney tunes at that point though doesn't it and um i guess i'm ready for it i don't know why but nothing prepared me for looney tunes
4: yeah no i remember there being a lot of um motion control stuff and um that kind of gig which is kind of cool you know it worked really well i think i I totally take your point is that there's there's the shot isn't there the the best bit i think is with the the guys sweeping the you know the cleaners doing the office and he oh no it's (laughs) art malik isn't it he turns around with the binoculars and he just comes up in this blurry thing and he sort of focuses Mm. and it turns into arnold's eyes and he's just like there's that great (laughs) shot of him doing strafing the building with the with the gatling gun and it oh, misses yes. and you just see it hit the sea out in the background. Like when he's, he's chasing the helicopter and it just hits the sea out of the background. There's all that really, really nice cause and effect stuff that's done that, that it looks seamless, but it's actually very hard to achieve with practical and effects mixed with CGI, all that stuff. Um And um yeah, I mean, look, it, it, thematically, obviously Art Malik ending up with his bollocks crushed by a, <laughs> the tail pain of a, of a Harrier jump jet is is what it is, and then you're fired, and then. But again, it's like who's again? Whose eyes are we seeing this Is, is it is it a, a daughter's view of what she wishes her dad was? You know, because she's this sort of wayward kid who doesn't see. You know, like at the start when he brings her back the snow globe, and she just goes great and dumps it in the bin. You know, it's like is he become? It's it's about is he becoming the father she wishes she had, literally, or is this a manifestation of what she wishes she had? Is is he becoming the husband that you know? I don't know, and it's not like the film is that conclusive or, or particularly interested necessarily in that that sort of thing, but it is a thesis on those things, and I think that sequence is very much like if you were a kid and you wanted you wanted to be saved by your dad. That's how yeah, it goes,
1: and, and 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 if you're if you're shooting it well, if you're if you're viewing it through the lens of a of a child, then you know that's how people die. Uh, you know that's the Simpsons crash milk milk truck blows up. It's it's telling that it starts with a
4: person bringing him into view with binoculars, right? Like it's like you don't see Harry until suddenly the guy's like looking through binoculars and then adjusts it and he comes into focus and that's when the carnage starts. So I think you know, I'm, again not to read too much into it, but I think that there is, there's something with perspective that we're playing with there. I don't get that to me being highfalutin and pretentious perhaps, but I think, you yeah, know, something to be said for that.
2: And I, I really like what you said about it being physically consequential. Like the idea of um, like the, the way that all of the gags match up in ways that probably would have been extremely difficult to do, which there's the fact that he strafes out an entire floor of a building which sets the scene for how that sequence ends with him being shot in the rocket through the the floor of the building that he's just emptied out like there's 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 big moments and small moments that are like just the stuff that Cameron pays attention to that most other filmmakers of his scale don't little there's like a little moment um when they first take uh, uh Harry and Helen into the lair and they start explaining the evil scheme that they're going to do after they've got the, the the nuclear warhead out of the statue, and Tia Carrera uh, Juno has left her handbag on the table where they're going to dump the nuclear warhead, and she dashes in to grab her bag and shouts at one of the guys for almost putting a nuclear warhead on top of her handbag, and it's a it's just it's a nothing sequence, but it just creates such a um, an immersive like self contained reality that there are so many filmmakers that wouldn't take the time for these little bits of this is like plot business but it's all thought through there's just there's seeded little moments throughout it that just create like um it just it grounds all of these these outlandish characters at least their behavior kind of makes sense Uh, up until you get the guys who are shooting a rocket launcher backwards in a van (laughs) Although those guys
1: are kind of endearing in their own ridiculous way, absolutely they're like the Libyans in *Back to the Future* a little bit. But, <laughs> um, I, Devlin, you ate that you if you've eaten my sandwiches because you know that I love uh, J.C.'s uh, setup and, and payoffs. *Aliens* is my favourite when she's we see Sigourney smoking and then we don't see her smoking for the rest of the movie until she needs a lighter to call for help.
3: <laughs> my favourite,
1: that's my favourite. But you're right, there's lots of those little little touches that means that we've got someone who's who's at play here who knows what the hell they're doing and it's not sloppy and it's interesting that you know like i say a year later michael bay comes onto the scene this is not to demigrate his work but less focused on the detail it's probably the the kindest way to put it it's not, it's,
2: it's not robustly planned is it bayhem bayhem is all about like overwhelming every single Synapse, you have so exactly. You can't remember what just happened. Yeah,
4: I'm a big fan of The Rock, and I know, you, and I listen to your your podcast on that, and I, I must say, I agreed very much with everything you had to say on that. And I, I tried to introduce it to Richard Jackson, who hopefully is listening, my, my partner in crime, um, over at Valverde Broadcasting, who proceeded to laugh and take the piss out of it through the entire thing. Um, which is valid. <laughs> it is valid because it is a ludicrous, just you know, big um testosterone dump in a way but I, I think it has my I think of all his films that that has my my favorite Connery quotes is the the I'm only borrowing your hungry that's uh, stupid <laughs> but, you know but it's fun you know it's like it, it, everyone's having fun it's stupid but it's fun and I'm you know obviously if anyone's upset or anything by it, I, I'm sorry but I just think it's a sort of fun film that doesn't take itself massively, you know, certain like Ed Harris is always saying it way, way too seriously, but, it, but it's like, yeah, but there's some points to be made here. It's fun. It doesn't overstay its welcome. I think it gets in, gets out that, that, but you're right. I think it's interesting to me that, that True Lies and um, Speed came out the same year. Cause it does feel like a sort of handing off of the, in a way, the old guard to the new, even though mm-hmm. I'd never have thought of it that way, but it's an interesting
1: thing. Yeah. So Devlin, true lies, I'm on my horse, I'm going downtown, we need to stop off at Critics Corner. So what (laughs) did they say about this one? Well, I guess you're you're riding a horse
2: stuffed in a lift with Siskel and Ebert, of course. I popped off to to see what Siskel and Ebert said. They reviewed this one. This was their film of the week. Um, uh, Ebert said that Tom Arnold was a surprisingly effective comic relief. And that the end sequence with the Harrier jump jet was one of the most incredible off-the-wall action sequences he's ever seen. Uh, Although he found the uh, Helen uh, Striptease dance sequence to be cruel and not very funny and slows down the pace. Overall, though, he said that he really appreciated the film. And in his written piece, he was uh, kind of pretty effusive. Three out of four stars. Uh, he did say that the plot is little more than a clothesline upon which to hang set pieces, and he doesn't mind that at all because the action is amazingly inventive, audacious, and ups the ante. He said it was the most incredible looking film he'd seen, uh, and that Jamie Lee Curtis, he said that she was charmingly sexy and klutzy, uh, but he did say that um, the second act padding felt a little unnecessary. Gene Siskel, on the other hand, uh, <laughs> said that. Uh, he did not approve of the second act, and he overall said that the film was a big letdown. He gave it a thumbs down. Oh, and he said that uh, this is his the that whole half hour is just about Jamie Lee Curtis s- sticking
1: her chest out. Oh my god! <laughs> and that it's and that it's demeaning. Well, we don't speak ill of the dead, but the man's wrong. He's wrong. <laughs> that is that is someone. Did he? I mean, again. I guess you have to put yourself in their shoes, walk a mile in their shoes. They're watching <laughs> five, six films a day. I, I found it interesting that
2: they referred to the whole of the Jamie Lee Curtis plot as a second act diversion. I guess that's an interesting take on it. Because you're right. In the, I mean, you've said yourself that, like, the you know, the, the Crimson Jihad plot disappears for a huge stretch and then... Kind of rushes its way back into the films.
1: So, I suppose if you're watching it in conventional through conventional eyes, you would be like, "Well, uh, what's this got to do with the uh, Crimson Jihad?" Uh, uh, Janet Maslin,
2: the the, the legendary Janet Maslin, really liked it, and she said that it was harkened uh, back to the Nick and Nora era of uh, uh, screwball, and she said that uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jengeli Lee has made for a surprisingly effective uh, classic screwball pairing which, I don't know, what do you guys think? I agree, I think they,
4: they because the thing is they both become the sort of archetype or the stereotype that they both wish for. And then I think there's a bit of wishful, you know, be careful what you wish for stuff in there. So it's kind of like, you know, she becomes the sexy adjunct provocatrix that he kind of wanted or kind of, I guess, dreamt of. But also you don't get in his head much at the start about what he wishes a wife was. Do you think that, He wishes she was just a stay at home mum who doesn't really say anything. Was he neglectful? But you don't really know what he wishes she was or does he just wish she is what she is? And he's, and he's not really
3: been attentive to what she wants. And then I think he's lost his way there with his marriage, hasn't he? So he's just, and he's, he's he's workaholic and work takes him over there. And like, is he literally, it's the wake up call. It's got to be a better, better
1: father. Yeah, that was the, that was the only <laughs> yeah. bit, Duncan, that I thought was like, is James Cameron's psyche bleeding in? Is this the thing that attracted mm. him to the project? The idea that, you know, <laughs> super Jim, workaholic, three divorces behind him. Hmm. Maybe I'll make hmm. a movie about how it's really hard to balance saving the world, a la making movies and <laughs> being, is, that, is Arnie his avatar, Gally? <laughs> it could be a
4: hero
2: complex thing, a hundred percent. Yeah. It could totally be like, you know, like, yeah, that's that's a good point Yeah, it's it's he doesn't humanize her at all right he there's the 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 most every time that she calls up he kind of he, he palms her off when mm. it's they're, they're planning his birthday party and he clearly doesn't give enough of a shit to come up with a good excuse i mean obviously he was in a on a horse on a rooftop but it's like there's no um yeah there's no sense of connection whatsoever
1: as to what he wants from that home life that's, he only acknowledges it by saying, Oh, I really screwed up last night with Helen. So I'm going <laughs> to take her for lunch. That's it. That's all you're going to get. Um, right. We're going to do our final thoughts. But, Duncan, we're going to do something different because this is your episode. And it would feel <laughs> like we would be encroaching. So I'm going to ask you for your final thoughts and to surmise true lies. And most importantly, would you recommend it to our listeners and all those cinephiles out there that haven't? engaged with harry tasker and helen
4: wow well firstly can i say what an honor and a privilege it is to to get first and really because i mean i'm a big fan of your your podcast and um you know, it's it's a it, it, no. It's it didn't stand. It's starting to sound like Arnold. Ever <laughs> <laughs> since he became a politician, that kind of thing crept in, right? It was like, hmm. it fantastic and these Anyway, um, I, I, um, sorry, Uh But no, it's it, uh, it's it's. Thank you for. I mean, honestly. So, firstly, I I think true lies. It, it it's um it's a product of its time, but it's but it also is a sort of product out of time in a lot of ways. I think it's definitely something you should revisit if you're at all into the kind of nineties action thing. I think it represents very interesting from this discussion that you've you've juxtaposed it with speed that came out the same year. Not something I ever thought about. Two films I love dearly for very different reasons, and both of which play with stereotypes and archetypes um in very different ways and like you say there's the every man you know it's very much diehard meets uh what the superman or the terminator you know there's the sort of there's the artificial hero versus the real hero there's a, you know all that stuff and and um so definitely something worth exploring i think if you're someone who views things purely through a 2022 lens you may find things in it that you you take issue with and that's fine All I would say is remember that the film is not necessarily putting you in the seat of, uh, judge or moral arbiter. I think the point is to say, who am I, who am I watching this through? If anyone, you know, and you, and, and I think the point is all perspectives are perfectly valid. Um, but it's, it's also just on its own merit. It's a sort of, it's a bond spoof that turns into a full bought nineties, full octane, Action film, but also has things to say about the nuclear family, which obviously Terminator 2 did. And you know, we've we discussed before. So I think it, I think 100% it is something you should watch. Um, come at it with a sort of open mind, I think. And, um, and I don't think you'd be disappointed. And yes, Jamie Lee Curtis, 100% MVP through the whole thing. Uh, thank you very much. I'll go away now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a very concise summary. And um I a a lot of which I agree with. Um I probably found um some of the stuff a little a little more troublesome than I had expected I would. Uh I, I think probably there was a certain amount of casual deployment of like locker room talk that I was surprised by and I didn't remember it, it came up. But <laughs> I think there's um and and I mean, Crimson Jihad is what it is. It's 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 gonna be what it's gonna be. I, I also don't think that it's a reason why, and this is probably speaking from my own perspective whereby I'm less affected by these things. I don't think it should be a deal breaker, but then that's just me talking and I understand why it might be for some people, but also I think like a, a fascinating socio-political little document of a certain specific time in history before this kind of thing was as kind of hot potato and 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 very uh, potentially damaging uh, uh, as it is now. And so I think the the best way to know a particular time in history, and you know, it's like kind of a weirdly more innocent time, is to look at these things. And the best way to do it is to look at things which were huge mass media. And this is as big a huge mass media as it could get at the time um but in terms of uh, an extraordinarily well constructed slightly baggy but i like that about it it's eccentric in that it's not like a, a like predator is perfect it's machine tooled and it's everything it needs to be true lies is baggy and that allows for a lot of weird readings and a lot of like strange little you know uh, it doesn't feel like everyone was it feels like uh, uh technically everyone was operating at absolute top level, but it feels like that there was probably room in the script for just some strange little ideas to sneak in. So you can read into it as to whether this was James Cameron's strange, you know, after his third divorce is like, fuck them, <laughs> fuck them all. I'm going to, I'm going to see so many women get slapped and I don't know who knows if that was his intention, but, um uh, but it's a, it's such a fun action film. And it is strange that it's kind of disappeared. I think there are reasons for that. Possibly, it is the presentation of the of the terrorists. Um, You've seen worse. We've seen. I I don't know whether I've seen like outside of Four Lions. I don't see. I don't think I've ever seen uh, a Muslim terrorists portrayed this cartoonishly. And Four Lions had a very specific reason for doing so. Uh, this was, I think, Something this like was the executive first...
4: decision. Did the same?
2: Oh I mean, yeah, yeah. Much you know what I mean? yeah, yeah possibly I with say. and it, Small it oil, even but, with, yeah yeah less um and with with less kind of um with less of a wink to it i don't know whether the wink yeah, makes God, it better yeah. or not again not for me to say but but yeah definitely yeah. want to revisit and and it just so many like the, the bathroom fight up to the uh pool jump i i don't know whether i've seen something that's that just tactile and faultless fucking faultless and it's long it's mm. 20 minutes and you're never never bored i'd love to see it on the big screen i think that would really hit um but yeah so recommend from me uh how about you patrick
3: Hard oh, to follow you too um of like the points there I think though, when this film's in full visual mode and action mode or comedy mode, like properly, whether it's Bill Paxton's shining or we get the horse chase or the harrier or the bridge sequence, this film is fucking brilliant. I, I like the Bond opening in the in Switzerland, is it? And the chase down the, the snow slope. I remember when he goes on his back and he's shooting backwards and then very cool he gets into the van at the beginning. I remember when I was younger, like, digging all of that, thinking, this is great. Like, this is wicked. This is exactly what I wanted it to be, like an Arnie action film. And by and large, you get that. I, I do agree with Devlin. I, th- I found it baggier than I remembered. I was kind of surprised at it's running time. And there's a bit of the old discipline that we spoke about and touched upon before. But technically... Um we haven't spoken about Art Malik, you know, just on the Crimson Jihad there. I think Art Malik's pretty bloody good in this, actually. I like the turn at the beginning where he's, Tia Carrera's, you know, he's, well, he slaps her. Um but it's kind of a shock, like a good, uh, an interesting shock for the audience because he's in control of the situation, using her as the art dealer, which we haven't spoken about that subplot because it goes away for an hour or whatever. But I, I think he's very good. Tia Carrera's, finding that I, I but allows Curtis to really shine earn the scenes against her especially in the limo which I like very much and I like this film. I would recommend it. I had a lot of fun with it. I remembered everything that I liked about it all those years ago when I first saw it and the reasons why. And it's Arnie, you know. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, towards the end, we, we kind of sit towards the end of his peak Arnie era. Um, I like Eraser thereafter and things, but I, I really liked Last Action Hero the year before this. And Julie, I just have a soft spot for... Under, underrated this-
4: gem, mate. And Last Action Hero is a fourth wall-breaking, underrated gem, 100%. With you on that. Sandwiches? Sandwiches Sandwiches
3: there? Yes. But (laughs) is this is this the last, uh, you know, is this the end of that Arnie era of of his true power? Perhaps, and there he's showing the screen with Jamie Lee Curtis and changing of the guard, a change of how films were made and went on thereafter that may have hindered him. But I, um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's great. Great fun. Despite, despite his problems, it's still I don't know, very, very entertaining. And when it's, when it's entertainment in the hands of like like uh, Avatar. I like Avatar for all its problems. And I don't think it's the best film or Cameron's best film, but it's spectacle and it's entertainment and in the hands of Cameron you know you're going to get something
2: good. Like it's never going to be shit. Mm. And True Lies is good. Are
1: you are you recommending that one, Galley? Yeah, I, I well firstly I just want to say Duncan, thank you one for your time and two for picking what I think is a really, really fascinating movie. Like I think um sometimes when we when we do like listener requests or when we um when we pick films, not that we we're trying to come at it from a slant but there's certain films that we've avoided doing for the longest time like we avoided doing jaws because we're like what are we going to be able to bring to jaws but those like big tentpole everyone's seen them ubiquitous sure true lies is that but it doesn't have the scholarship behind it and I think it's fascinating. Like genuinely, your reading of it, I'm now like sold on that. And I, like I said, I've just got, I'm just got the flags printed, waiting for the posters to come <laughs> through as well. And then I'll be out picketing, uh, for that thesis, but also you can watch it. Like I think we said, Devlin about Die Hard and Predator that, and this sounds like I'm kind of being harsh here. I bet I've got in trouble before Duncan on Twitter for doing these things, but <laughs> like a movie can be both. Good for those people that want to kind of engage with it intellectually, and perfectly fine for the dummies. This is both. You can watch this and on both on like either level, which is why as a kid I, I really enjoyed it, and I've got to say I thoroughly enjoyed watching it again. I do agree with uh, with Devil and Patrick. It's a bit baggy. It's, it's a bit long but then that's kind of part of the deal with Cameron you're never going to get a, a 90 minute out of him
4: <laughs> i think anything that's dealing with archetypes though you've got this sort of um if they're done right you know i mean this is always the thing with james bond isn't it so it's it's um, if there's enough for you to key into you will read what you want to read into it and i think true lies is that it obviously starts off as a bond spoof but then ends up as a sort of couples therapy film. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, and it's kind of like, what are you bringing to it? I think that's really what it, you know, and, and I think that James Bond has always suffered. James Bond has been successful and unsuccessful because of that. You know, it's come with all the reasons of it, like people. Th- One of his successes is because people think they are James Bond when they walk out of there, but also um, because it's an archetype. But it's also the problem of like, no, it's a character that's quite set in the sort of, he's, he's almost an anti-hero. He's, he does bad things, but in the right, in the name of good Also, so, or so he sees it. And you know, and it's like, it does play with ambiguity. Um, but the mm-hmm. films were successful because they left that ambiguous. And it's the same thing with this. It's kind of like a, you know, let's just sort of do that, but in the frame of the, the nuclear family and who's, who is, idealizing who and you know are you whoever you are when you come into the film in a way you can read that into it in another way you can just watch an action film that's about you know this sort of dysfunctional family who turn out to be functional once they just let go of all the pretense and that, you know so whatever you know it's a bit of that you know and so it's a uh, um yeah it's just a I, it, no one's making movies like this anymore you know that's the thing
1: and and that's just why we like it that was that yeah. was exactly be my yeah. point duncan was that that this doesn't feel like it was made by committee mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. leaves the, the room and the space for it to be a bit messy and a bit weird. But those, those kind of messy, weird uh, nuances that are peppered throughout. That's where I'm like, is James Cameron having a kind of midlife crisis? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. you know, when, when Tom Arnold yeah. says women can't live with them, can't kill them. I'm like, is he, <laughs> is James, is that James Cameron like bleeding onto the page? <laughs> Clearly Cameron had got like a huge yeah. check. Well a huge deal with Fox. And that, and that's, you know, one of the reasons why we don't have it is because clearly now the, the kind of the auteur and the power within the auteur is being you know slowly eroded. They're disposable, yeah. people in the chair, and it's really the the kind of the organization or the studio that is dictating what things will be what things will be in the movie, what things we will touch upon, how we will approach certain subject matter, and the things that we simply will go round and not touch. Well, this movie tackles everything head on. It was unabashed, wasn't it? Absolutely. So it's a recommend from me. Um but it, w- it would only come with the with the small caveat that you know if you are watching it from your perch in 2022 be warned there will be stuff that you'll go hmm sexist. That's a bit. <laughs> don't, don't don't hear people talk like that in films anymore. So you know you just have to be aware of that. So those of those 2022 Gunny, where where would they where can they watch this film absolutely devlin where can they watch it because it's bloody difficult uh you
2: can come to my house and watch it on my work laptop you don't
3: have a house <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can come to my small you can come to my small hot flat and you can watch it on my work laptop apart from that you're a bit fucked no you can uh, get a standard uh standard dvd yeah. And that is as far as it's gone. There has been no. Um, can't rent it on iTunes. You can't rent it anywhere. Yeah, it's mad. I, I've I've not seen it on TV for ages. Um, essentially, there's not a reason for this. Is it? Like,
3: this is the most mm, one of the hardest films to find.
2: So I mean, aside from there's you know, the, as the, the stuff we talked about is maybe the sort of stuff that maybe the again 21st century enlightened James Cameron. James Cameron deep sea explorer maybe doesn't feel like that it's the the reason why they canceled True Lies 2 is that it uh, uh, as I think Jamie Lee Curtis said in an interview you cannot make international terrorism funny anymore and she said maybe you couldn't have done it back then but we got away with it but now you're not doing it uh i think that's understandable um i still i don't think that's a reason to 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 not put it back out but i do feel that um James Cameron has a lot of sway in what films of his do or do not come out. He's not a guy mm-hmm. who's kind of having yeah. to send angry letters off to studios to release his shit. Like he's James Cameron, he can do what he wants. So there is clearly some reason why he is dragging his feet on this one.
1: The other one, Patrick as well. And this is just, uh, for an awareness listeners, uh, Alicia Dushka who plays, uh, Dana, uh, which is, uh, Harry Tasker's daughter in this, uh, in 2018, um, made, uh, said that the stunt coordinator um, sexually assaulted her Absolutely. on set. Yeah. And the, the, uh, crew and, uh, the cast of, have... they've not substantiated it, but they, they've, they've shown their support mm-hmm. to Alicia Duska uh, on those claims. And I do believe reading into it, uh, we're not going to get into the, the nitty gritty, please go away and, and look at it yourselves. Um, but she did raise it, uh, at the time, and oh, no. it seemed to have gotten quashed, not by James Cameron, not trying to uh, kind of throw the net at anybody, but it, within the production, um, those claims were not taken seriously at the time. So again, that might feed into um, mm-hmm. one of the yeah. reasons why this movie has been buried, because it really has been buried. And 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 clearly, we've had a, a lot of fun discussing it, but that that also needs to be uh, broached when uh, when yeah. going, going back to watch True Lies.
4: Yeah, that taints it somewhat, you know. Um,
1: yeah, obviously. it's 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 yeah. just one of those yeah, it, it, one of those things that unfortunately we're confronting more and more. Um, yeah. But if you're watching it and you try and you know separate separate that horribleness uh, from yeah. your viewing experience, then uh, based on, you know what we our discussion recommendations, you know this is worth. Uh, there's still value in in going back and watching True Lies for, for, despite all of that.
3: Yeah. Where do we watch your films, Duncan?
1: You're very kind. You're very. kind. And, guys,
0: can
4: I just once again take the the, the opportunity to say what a privilege it is uh, to to guest with you. Um, the, so, yes, Valverde Broadcasting is our our YouTube channel. Um, we um, have uh, we try to put out regular content, and we were doing so for a long time, especially during lockdown. But of course, we, Richard is a videographer. I'm an actor producer. Um, we've both got quite busy and to the point where like, I've also been producing documentaries and using Richard as a videographer, which means that that's just that we don't have time to be regular anymore, but we're doing our best and we are, we are, you know, we, we really love what we do. So that's, that's still an ongoing concern. So please check that out. Um, you can find it. If you just chuck in Valverde, Valverde, of course, being the, um, Eda e. D'Souza, um, country that is supposedly Predator takes place there, although it's never explicitly mm. said so. But Commando obviously has Valverde in it and um Predator Two, I think it makes allusions to and, um, and Street um, Fighter, right? Street Fighter <laughs> and what's the other, there is another one. I can't remember what it is, but there there's 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 oh die Hard Two of course. So the the bad guy in Die Hard Two is from Valverde. Um so there you go. Um, there's, there's, that's what it was lazy musings pretty much on this very spot with Richard, um, thinking about what we could call our YouTube channel. And that was, I was like, why not have it like the BBC, but from some fictional dictatorship. So that's what that, that became. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, as, as an actor, you can find me on. So I have a film on Netflix at the moment called festival of Lead, which is a Western that was shot here. In the UK, which is weird, but it works kind of, I think. Um, you can check that out. Um, I'm also in a, um, interactive, uh, thriller called Erica, which you can get on PlayStation, uh, iOS, Android, and the other things. I think it's, I think it's on most stuff now. So if you want to, you want to grab that, yeah, it's, it's an interactive movie. Android. Android. (laughs) 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 Bedford <laughs> <That's what laughs> Forest, Spitsworth <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, no, it's one
4: of on those things. So yeah, in the North Norfolk digital area. Um, it's all there. Um, so check that out. I'm, I'm terrible at plugging my stuff. You can chuck my name in things and you'll find it. Um, and obviously IMDb and you can see what I'm up to. I've, I've got a film coming out called Hounded with Samantha Bond, Money Penny herself, who I got to meet. <laughs> and, um, that was really awesome. So, um, yes, lots going on. And thank you very much for indulging me. I appreciate
1: it. No, no, no. We really appreciate it, Duncan. And uh, what we'll do, listeners, uh, we will put our links and all that stuff in the show notes. So um, please get involved. Um, also, Duncan, you're 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 massively doing yourself a disservice. We're called The Rewind Movie Podcast. Check out the imagination there. So, uh, you know, you're done better than us. As I'm in the mood to talk about stuff, out with the movie why don't we tell our listeners about our t-mail store stuff and junk go rewind com. we put
2: stuff there there's 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 blogs and whatnot and uh there'll be something for this but uh various links uh there'll be a link on the dot com called shop you can go to our t-mail that's com. that's my little shop where i have T-shirts for the show, Rewind Moviecast merch. Uh, we also have various other T-shirts that we have gathered over the years.
1: So, listeners, this is my bit where I say, hey, if you like what you hear, then please like, subscribe, share, spread the gospel team. That's all we ask. Please share it with your fellow man or woman, and let's bring more to the party. Duncan, it has been an absolute pleasure. Again, thank you very much for your time, your insights. I kind of feel like you need to come and watch Cyborg with me, so then you can tell me <laughs> there's more depth to cyborg. Albert Pion was really driving at some kind of crazy slinger thing. Um but you know, it's been a it's been an absolute pleasure. You're more than welcome at any time to come back. So please thank line you. up your next one. And we'll get you back on. Um,
2: And uh, you said that you you don't like plugging your own stuff. So I will also say that I I very much enjoy your uh, YouTube videos on Valverde. Big fan.
1: Yeah, my favorite, Duncan just just on that one is uh, Dirty Dancing. I know you did it with a uh, a fellow actor. I, Gabri Gabri Lester. Guess who?
4: Well, Gabri now Gabri Rogers. So I was just at her wedding last week. Funnily enough.
1: Ah.
4: Um, absolute delight yeah no that's uh, so i i yeah if anyone's interested in that it's on our channel um i came at that film you know obviously as a a dude you kind of go rom-com huge hidden depths in dirty dancing huge hidden amazing amazing film with lots of great subtext beautiful cinematography and lots to explore so please go check that out because it really is an absolute gem I love that movie to bits.
1: Totally agree, Duncan. And and let's be fair, Swayze he's an he was a triple threat. He could dance. Oh god, yeah. He could sing. The man can act. Yeah. Oh god, yeah. I, I I said it in my Point Break review when I was like, listen, I would have also fallen under the church of Bodhi because he was that convincing <laughs> with his utter nonsense. Anyway, we will say our goodbyes then, team. It's the podcaster who's got an ass like a 10 year old boy saying stay safe everyone. It's Gally in Hampshire. (laughs) The vet. Get some wet. It's Devlin
2: in London. She could suck start a leaf blower.
3: It's Patrick in London. Sure, here's
1: my invitation.
4: It's Duncan in Cambridgeshire.
1: Thanks for listening everyone and we'll catch you next time on the Rewind Movie Podcast.